I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside sources. Inside sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson. If you missed that last section uh, segment with uh, John Hood, just a really interesting focus on the power of story. And that actually leads us to, to this segment. And uh, truly one of the great storytellers, one of the great writers and thinkers in the state of Utah, Deseret News columnist Lee Benson, uh, who I have read and learned from uh, for many years and uh, is one of those places I always – it's a go-to source for me uh, when I want to be inspired, when I want to think different or think deeper. And uh, over the weekend, uh, Lee did it again, uh, sharing the story of a 98-year-old veteran from Salt Lake City. Uh, Lee, thanks for joining us today. Hi, Boyd. Hey, thank you. So uh, give us a little backstory. So 98-year-old veteran, uh, the headline, I think, uh, put it in the right perspective, said he may not recall today's breakfast, uh, but he vividly recalls landing on Utah Beach. Right, 77 years ago. Um, as, as you know from your background in newspapers, we're always uh, looking ahead uh, for something to write about. And I saw that the anniversary of D-Day was coming up. So I just Googled and I just put Utah and Utah Beach and World War II, and I came up with uh, the contact information for Don Poland and um, and Terry Scow, who's with the veterans, um, big advocate here in Utah. Yeah. He he helped me find Don, and uh, lo and behold, he answered his phone. He still has a landline. <laughs> he lives in. Uh, just off 33rd South, right in the heart of the valley. And uh, his schedule permitted. I, I said, can I come and see you? And he said, I'm wide open. <laughs> so I was able to go to his house. And and this is why I love what I do, because I meet people like this on a regular basis. And we had a nice couple hours talking about his experiences in the war. And uh, a Utah who actually... Uh, landed on Utah Beach. Oh, so fascinating! And uh, uh, for a 98 year old to have an open schedule, that's that's good. It was it's nice to know he made time for you, Lee. That uh, you haven't <laughs> lost your touch there. But let's let's dive into that story. Uh, Don Pullen again uh, was part of that uh, incursion onto Utah Beach 77 years ago. Uh, describe that for us. Well, of course, D Day was was the day when all heck broke loose. And Don was with an engineering company that came 
not on the 6th of June, which was the first of the D-Day invasion. He landed on the 10th of June when officially the D-Day invasion lasted from June 6th to June 11th in 1944. So he was with a group that was their their task all across Europe was when planes crashed or uh, bridges needed repair. These were the guys who who marched in and mopped up and, and did what they could to keep the, the war effort headed toward Germany. So he had memories of, of storming Utah Beach when it had calmed down considerably, and yet he still talked about when they uh, when they were about 100 yards from shore and he dropped off the side of that boat. Uh, he didn't know whether he was going to drown, whether he was going to be shot at, or whether he would actually make it to shore uh, safely. Yeah, such a, a powerful description in the in the piece. You you talk about that moment, uh, him looking over at uh, a friend, a colleague, a comrade of his, uh, who actually said "swimmer drowned," and he said "probably probably drowned." <laughs> but in they yep. it, but in they went. We talked about this earlier in the day that uh, even even not knowing, you know, those who did storm the beaches of Normandy on that on D Day, uh, they knew it was a ninety percent chance they uh, they weren't going to make it. Uh, but even this second wave and these third waves coming in, there still was no great guarantee. There was there was not a lot of safety anywhere, uh, and yet they were still willing to do that. They they stepped right into the right into the front, and uh, luckily, a lot of Germany's forces had been faked out and were a little farther north up the coast, but. Um, they did that, and I think that's why that's why we owe them such a tribute. Seventy-seven years later, and eighty years later, and and you know, it's just a sobering thought that you know the youngest World War II a guy who went in the service uh, in 1945 at 18 years of age, which would be the youngest, pretty much the youngest serviceman from World War II, would be uh, 94 years old now. Mm. Wow. Uh, we are. We're, lo- so there's a- we're losing all far too many, far too fast. And uh, my my great worry is that we forget the word "remember" uh, in all of this. Uh, Lee, as you had this opportunity to spend some time with Don Pullen and and go through uh, that landing at at Utah Beach, what were some of your takeaways? What did you walk away from that conversation uh, with Don Pullen? Oh, a good question. Interesting question because I've talked to being a columnist, a lot of World War II vets through the years. And it seems like as time goes on, they more and more of them are willing to talk about it. Mm. And that's what impressed me about Don. He just he, he remembered it like it was yesterday, and he talked about it like it was yesterday, and there wasn't an angst with him. And, and maybe that's why he's made it to um, his 98th year. He'll actually be 98 in October. Um, but he... Um, took a deserved pride, I could tell, mm. from being a part of that. And I wish and hope they all do. Yeah, fantastic. Lee Benson joining us from Deseret News. You can read his piece at Deseret.com. And uh, Lee, always appreciate your perspective. Love your writing. Uh, thanks for all you do for our community. Well, thank you, Boyd. Nice to talk to you. All right. Uh, that's Lee Benson from the Deseret News. And uh, he is he's one of those writers that I always look to to say, okay, how's, how's Lee thinking about this? Uh, and I uh, love the fact that he spent some significant time with 98-year-old Don Pullen and uh, 
big shout out to our, our friend Terry Scow, who looks out for our veterans uh, in a most extraordinary way. And I do think it is critical that we all remember, uh, yes, it was D-Day yesterday, uh, but remember, that was not the end. That was just the beginning. And uh, it was the beginning of better days, to be sure, but it was not the beginning of easy days. It was the beginning of really hard days and really difficult days. And those that were willing to step into that, uh, they deserve to be remembered. And as Lee mentioned, there aren't that many of them left. Uh, someone who went into the service as an 18-year-old uh, back in World War II would be 94. And we know they're all kind of in that category, 94 to 98 plus. And we need to remember them. But more importantly, we need to remember what they were willing to do. Uh, not in the face of certainty, not running to the front of the parade uh, like we see so many do today to take credit for something they didn't really do. These were folks that were willing to do the hard work, the heavy lifting, uh, far away from uh, spotlights, television cameras, and newspapers. Uh, These were people who were willing to fight for freedom because fighting for freedom was the right thing to do. And that is why uh, they are the greatest generation. And I love what uh, Representative Chris Stewart uh, mentioned to us earlier today, uh, that they're not the only great generation. Uh, We have extraordinary people of all ages in this country. Uh, This group was especially tested and stood up to their test, their tap-on-the-shoulder moment, and squared their shoulders. The question for all of us is, will we do the same? We clearly have the same potential. We have more opportunities than at any time in history to do good, to make a difference. Uh, But part of that is what will we do in those moments? Will we flinch? Will we recoil? Or will we square our shoulders and step in and and be part of solutions in our neighborhoods, in our community, and in our country? We're going to step aside for one final commercial break. When we come back, we're going to round out the day with the place we should look. Find out where that is coming up next. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.